Good evening and welcome to Ryan and Ryan Education Today. This is episode 11 of season one. I'm Ryan Limley along with my co-host Ryan Weary. Good evening, Ryan. Hey, how's it going? You doing what? You doing good? You doing oh, I'm great. I'm always great. I'm awesome, but you already knew that, didn't you? Well... Most of the time. Okay. All right. So, well, again, uh, we still don't have theme music. Uh, Scott, if you're listening, get us some uh, open source uh, theme music, please. Well, we've, we've gone through some of the hits. I mean, in, in the past, we've talked about the 80s and 90s, and I don't know. What you what are you looking for? Are you looking more for, like, rap? What are you looking for? Well, Pantera probably has, like, a license <laughs> against using it, so um, we're probably going to have to come up with something else uh, unless I could get a hold of Phil and see if he would let us use Cowboys from Hell as our intro. <laughs> um, we'll probably have to uh, avoid that. Um, but in our podcast, we don't just talk about Pantera. Um, we try to break down and provide insight into issues uh, facing today's rapidly changing educational environment. Uh, we'll look at each, each issue from the student, parent, teacher, and administrator perspective. Um, we're privileged once again to have John Reinard back with us, the Dean of Transfer and Public Services at Washington State Community Co College. Excuse me. John, thank you for Hi. coming back. Thank you. Um, I noticed you liked my little uh, Pantera reference I'm there <laughs> in the intro. <laughs> I'm thinking like ACDC. Like, why are they not your intro? Uh, could be. I mean, we could go for that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that that would get us kicked off the air for some sort of copyright infringement. Um, but this is uh, part two of our conversation with Jonna. So right now, I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to episode 10, uh, go back and do that right now. In that episode, we get a lot of her background and some really great stories yeah. about uh, traveling abroad and, and your sort of career that led you to this point. So... Yeah. Um, but I did say in the intro that you are the Dean of, of Transfer and Public Services. Public Services, yes. And so we talked a little bit about what that was. Uh, but just give us like a 30-second recap if somebody didn't listen to the other episode. Yeah, so all of those general education courses that you like to transfer on to a four-year college, English and your math and your humanities classes, I oversee all of those. And then criminal justice, the police academy, and the social service programs as well, and education. It's so this is, I think, one of the things that I really want to pick your brain about for, for people who are listeners. I don't know how many kids listen. Every once in a while, we'll have a kid say something to us at school. But um, you're at Washington State mm -hmm. Community College. So first, just if somebody's listening, because as we pointed out, we do have an international <laughs> audience, and they're not familiar with, with that. Tell us a little bit about like a profile of Washington State really quickly. So Washington State, um, location-wise, we sit in, in Marietta, Ohio, and we serve um, high school students who are taking what are called College Credit Plus classes, dual enrollment classes, but then also our adult learners, too. So we have quite an, an age range of students. But we have courses there that transfer on. So if you want to get your four-year degree, you can come to Washington State, start with us, and then transfer on to a four-year school. You can come to us to simply earn certificates, too. So maybe you are just wanting to learn more to improve in your current uh, area of work. You can come and get some certifications with us in manufacturing, uh, nursing too. Nursing is one of our programs. And we just uh, got our BSN, so our bachelor's in, in nursing. It's going to be something that we focus on too. So roughly how many students attend Washington State? I believe about 1,600. So that's given that, that yeah. you're kind of, I don't want to say tucked in Marietta, but mm -hmm. to get to Washington State, you have to know where you're going. Exactly. Um, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. Um, and just added the, the BSN of nursing. How big is that for Washington State? Wow. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So there's a lot of steps that you need to take in order to, to get that. I mean, that, that isn't an easy task whatsoever. And our nursing faculty and our dean of nursing has really led that, as well as our, our uh, vice president of academics, to, to just 
all the hoops that you kind of have to, to jump through with the Higher Learning Commission and the audits that we have to go through and, and the proving of the curriculum. So, Well, in, in our last a couple episodes ago, we had Tony Huffman on from the Washington County Career Center. He's the superintendent. And, and he had done a lot of research into what jobs are available specifically in our area. And healthcare was one of the ones that, that he mentioned was yep. at the top. So it sounds like you guys really have a pulse on what's needed in yeah. our area. Yeah. And we are, I, I, I will have to brag, we're one of the number one nursing schools in the state of Ohio. And so when you have that need and you have employers reaching out and a great partnership, right? We have great partnerships with our local hospitals um, and healthcare facilities. So it, it just, that speaks volumes and speaks for itself. And so applying to get our BSN was next step. Well, and in addition to Ryan and I's motive of increasing that international audience by having you on <laughs> and your experiences, um, I think your knowledge of, of College Credit Plus is probably second to none outside of well, I appreciate know, Washington that. State. So let's talk a little bit about to our listeners exactly what College Credit Plus is and, and what do you mean by the term dual enrollment? Oh, great question. So College Credit Plus, it's the opportunity for students to take college courses and it kind of serves as, as two purposes, right? So they earn college credit while they're in high school, and they're also meeting a requirement that they need for high school graduation as well. So if, if you qualify, if you have that ability to, to take that college class, you can do that. So you can do that by leaving your high school and coming to us. But we know that there are students that do not want to leave their high school setting because they love that high school experience. So what we do at Washington State then is we work closely with the schools and we credential teachers that are already in the high schools that could also teach at the college level for us. We credential them. And then what they do is they offer what are called dual enrollment classes. So those students never have to leave their high school. They can stay, say, at Warren High School and earn college credit from their high school teachers while taking a class that is a Washington State class. And it's important if you're listening to note that we here at Warren, we partner with Washington State. Um, I think we have nine classes on our campus. So mm -hmm. a kid, we try to get flexible with their schedule. Yeah. You know, if they want to come here but still want that college experience, we're getting ready to get more flexible with their schedule. You know, you and I. Uh, along with Debbie Gertis, got to mention our yep, girl Debbie. Can't forget Debbie. Um, she <laughs> is the CCP expert. You is, gave me the credit, yeah, but she I've learned so from her. Awesome. <laughs> um, and, and fun to work with. And, and I used to tease her that I needed an office at Washington State there for a little while because I was over there so much um, getting this stuff mm -hmm. ironed out. Um, and for whatever reason, I will just leave that one alone. We actually, when I started, did not partner with Washington mm -hmm. State. Um, we were with some other institutions, and, and it was a conversation Debbie and I had that kind of kicked off what has turned out to be like a great partnership yeah. between the two of us. But uh, so, and, and we do have that if you're listening and, and you want to take uh, advanced nursing classes at Washington State, but come back here. I have a lot of students that come back here and take band and choir. Yep. Um, I have a great band director, a great choir director, and they want to be part of those programs. You can do that. You know, mm -hmm. we will work that out with you guys and for the kid. Um, so I guess what would be the advantage for a kid to take a CCP course? Like if they're on the fence, what's the advantage to doing that? Yeah, so there are so many advantages. And I look back and I think I wish this was, were something that I would have thought of, right? Like when I was a high school student because – you're saving money, first of all, right? You're, you're getting college credit. And what I like, though, about the dual enrollment part of it, not them coming to our campus, but the dual enrollment part is you are getting a college credit, you're earning college credit in the comfort of your high school. And you are, you're earning that, too, from a teacher that maybe you have a really positive relationship with. And you're getting that credit. And then once you start earning that and you, you start building that, you start to realize, you know what, I can do this. So the benefit is sometimes for those students who don't think that it's even a possibility for them, they start figuring it out 
it is a possibility. And I can earn this. I can, one, save money, save time, um, and really start exploring a career field in, in, sooner rather than later. Well, and it's important to note, too, that um, the high school teacher still has to have uh, the 18 hours or a master's degree Correct. in the discipline, not education. Like mine is in educational right. leadership. Doesn't mean I can go teach Western Civ. So right. that's an important distinction that they would be able to teach for you guys. They would potentially be able to teach at other colleges. They just happen to work here. Yes. And, and you said that teach for us because I have reached out the benefit of me being over a lot of those classes, the, the English and, and Debbie having those connections with the teachers too. When I need an adjunct for a certain course, it's easy for me to go right to that list of high school teachers that are already credentialed to say, hey, listen, do you want to teach a course for us? Because I have an opening and I need it. And they can do that and they can teach for us online, you know, so it's a little added bonus for them. It is. And I've got some people who I think are, you know, waiting on that call yeah. from you. So, <laughs> And then we have something interesting, but Warren and Washington State specifically, right. I'll speak to uh, with an articulation agreement. Anything you want to add in about articulation agreements? Yeah, so articulation agreements, you know, in, in the previous episode, I talked about my K-12 knowledge and going to Washington State. And this is something I had to learn. It was like the crash course. What are articulation agreements? Well, articulation agreements are those, those agreements that you have with other institutions where you say what you earn on our campus will transfer over to the next campus. So, you know, Ryan Ryan and I, you know, we we've worked together well in creating these articulation agreements between the high school the high school here and Washington State. But then my role in Dean of Transfer and Public Service is I have to then reach out to the four-year institutions and say, how can a student from Washington State then take their earned credit and it be recognized at the next college? And so those are the conversations that I'm often having with my counterparts at four-year institutions. And, and we have an interesting setup, and business is probably the easiest one for, for me to use. For us, it's a, it's a career tech pathway. Mm -hmm. So we've done all the homework. Like we have that, and it has some courses in it that are tagged, which means, you know, they automatically yep. transfer. But then we were able to sit down and work through, like, our business foundations is equal to this class at Washington State. So if a kid takes that here and they decide to pursue a two-year business degree at Washington State, they do not have to repeat that course. Correct. So what we were able to do through CCP offerings and articulation agreements is they can actually go get that associate's degree. Depending on how aggressive they are when they're in high school, I'll say a year it's possible to get it mm -hmm. done a little bit quicker. And, and I think the kid really wins from that. They do. And, and to your point, too, so it's that aggressive, right? So we have students who will start taking those college courses or take courses at their high school at maybe their junior year. And then their senior year, they, they're with us full-time on campus or, you know, however they've built it. And then sometimes they will graduate with an associate's degree a week before they graduate with their high school diploma. And that's awesome, right? But that isn't the, you don't all have to do that. Not, you know, students can come and they can take a few classes here and there, earn some of those college credits. But then year 13, that's our, that's our big focus, right? Year 13, what do you do when you have all of these college credits and you're that close to an associate's degree? Get the associate's degree, Year 13, come to us, finish, wrap up all that stuff that you've had from high school together and get that degree. And so I've, I've had two um, girls who have taken two different paths, one being um, a, AP classes here to get credit that way. Mm -hmm. And then my second daughter went to Washington State and did a lot of more CCP. Uh, and they're in, they're in some different places. Um, but is there... If I'm a parent asking questions about, okay, what do I do? I just start this conversation with my with my high school uh, guidance counselor. Do I start it with you guys? 
do you help them get a pathway going? I mean, wh- wh- where do we start? Yeah, so you could go either direction. That is a, a big focus that we have right now at Washington State is truly making those clear, defined pathways from start to finish. And even what we like to refer to are exit ramps and on-ramps, you know, where you can come in and, and exit with a credential or exit with something and, and be able to, to go out in the workforce. Or even when if you're still a high school student, right, like when you can earn certificates and credentials. So who do you talk to? You can talk to your high school guidance counselor and say, I'm really interested in this and and how do I go about learning more? Uh, but you can just as easily call Washington State too. We have um, college pathway advisors is what they're called and um, or CPAs and they help our families and our students who have a lot of questions when it comes to uh, transferring or coming to Washington State as a high school student. And, and it's important to note, too, that, that what we're talking about right now, it doesn't have to be worn in Washington State. CCP is available all over the state of Ohio. Absolutely it is. This is this is a state thing. And and so it's it's kind of this this nice gift that our students have and they can they can earn credit elsewhere. I mean, we have students. I had students when I was at Marietta that even went to Marietta College and earned credit or picked up online classes at Ohio University and earned credit that way, too. So for those of you listening, we are pretty close to bordering West Virginia and kind of Pennsylvania. What, what, I know Ohio schools transfer really easy, correct, Mm -hmm. from Washington State. So do you have agreements with West Virginia schools, Pennsylvania, how does, and how does that work? So we work very closely. You mean, are you talking about four-year institutions? Yes. Yes. So four-year institutions, yes, we work really closely with WVUP. Uh, Not to say that we haven't talked or started conversations with other ones, but one that is a really solidified relationship is West Virginia University of Parkersburg. And our students transfer so nicely there um, into, into their programs specifically. Yep. So let's, I, I think, let's go back 30 years, we'll say, uh-huh. in education. Um, we actually talked about this with Dr. Huffman. I think we made a critical error in our profession <laughs> and, and started to push everybody to four-year college. Right. And I think we're starting to realize now that that was the complete wrong move on our part we we're still trying to get everybody takes algebra two out of high school right now um just because we know there's other math that would better serve them as an adult but talk about the advantages of of a two-year degree how do do we ditch that stigma of a two-year degree Mm -hmm. because some people still have that four-year degree or you're a failure right and we know that's not true Mm -hmm. So talk about the advantages of a two-year degree. Well, first and foremost, affordability, right? So the, the opportunities that students have in high school to earn that college credit towards the two-year degree, you're saving time, you're saving money, point blank. It's, it's that simple. But along the way, you can also, let's say it's in manufacturing, you can earn really Uh, important credentials that can get you a well-paying job in this area. And one of the things that I'd always talk to students about is the possibility of getting those credentials, getting that two-year affordable degree, getting employed. And then what does your employer offer if you really want to go back and get that four-year degree? But there are so many opportunities within that associate's degree. Um, Like again, it's just that affordability. And staying local. Well, and I think, too, currently, and, and I was at a conference this summer, and I've mentioned this like five times on the mm-hmm. podcast, so somebody's probably fast-forwarding right now. <laughs> but um, where they mentioned 84% of what I'll call high-wage jobs coming in Ohio will require post-secondary, cre- least credential potentially a two-year degree, mm-hmm. there are some things you're going to need a four-year degree to do. Like right. if you decide you want to be a teacher, you're going to need a four-year degree. And, and that's fine. Like we're not saying that's bad. But it, it somehow became almost looked down on for a little while if you didn't get a four-year degree. And and we're really fighting at our level that stigma, mm-hmm. that that you can be successful without that. Um, 
but it, it has become a versus mentality. Like you can look on people's Facebook and they're just spouting out about the trades or they're spouting out about mm-hmm. a four year college. And those two things can go together. I think you guys do a good job of marrying those two things together. Yeah, because it's so it's so essential. I mean, you we need people that have the the credentials and the capabilities to do some really hard work and, and tasks that um, you know our associate's degree programs can 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 do. Um, and, and again, I go, I just I keep thinking of of the healthcare field and, and manufacturing and everything that you can earn those certificates and credentials that are embedded within the associate's degree and the amount of money that you can earn from those types of jobs um, with an associate's degree. So what are some specific programming at Washington State? I I know that uh, we've had a couple of students here that um, the radiology program is really competitive to get into and the respiratory therapy maybe is that the other one that's really that those those two are kind of like cream of the crop type thing they are so you've hit the nail on the head with that we also have advanced manufacturing in our engineering program as well um and and chem ops that's chem ops is a big one that we have um individuals that are coming through actually right now we have a program it's called four fridays that our dean of business and engineering is doing where he's invited people to come in and learn how to use the cnc machine and so they're getting credentialed in um, solidworks and and how to use that machine didn't be able to take that back it's a credential that they're earning and not necessarily the associates but it's the credential alone well, and then I also know there's some like transfer pathways available from Washington State. That's what you do. Yep. So yep. you should really be the expert in this one, <laughs> right? So talk a little bit about the at Washington State specifically, mm-hmm. um, what transfers like directly to a four year school. So one of the we have a liberal arts transfer audit sheet is what we follow, and it's got all of the courses that are really truly the ones that that kind of go nicely along in a package. It's those, you know, all of those uh, courses that you have to get out of the way, the general education courses. So when students come in, they know right away that they want to transfer. Maybe you're an education transfer too. What can you take that are the education courses? Because you know specifically you are going to be a teacher. Well, we have those foundational courses that you can take and those transfer. Uh, What if you're wanting to be in social services? You're wanting to be a counselor. You can also take all of your general education courses and start your foundation for um, social services as well. One thing I have failed to mention that we have is a chemical dependency program as well because of the the need for that. And so that, too, is a program that it it, it couples with social services and then it transfers on. Um, Engineering. We have a great articulation agreement with Miami University. And students can actually stay and work, I believe, through their third year. with Washington State, they can take classes through Miami at Washington State and then transfer on to Miami to finish. We have similar articulation agreements in business transfer. It's a uh, what we like to call a three plus one, where you are with us for three years in one year with Franklin University, fully online. So you never have to leave the area, but they transfer all of our, our classes to them. And, and this is a good spot to mention some of the work that we did, yeah. Um, specifically with education, um, teacher shortage. Mm-hmm. We know this. Dan Leffingwell talked about it in the first episode. Um, so we were able to kind of work together and put that intro to ed class here on our campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the honor of being in there the other day, um, and, and our teacher does a great job with it. And but that group of kids, uh-huh. it was so much fun. I was so jealous of her that she gets to go in and do that. Um, But it ended up working out so well for them because they get intro to Ed here. They get to do their field placement, which you helped us set up uh, at our elementary. But then Marietta College kind of came on and offered some things up to them. So uh, some of my kids are actually in uh, 
Uh, it's not ed psych this quarter. It's uh, educational technology. Educational yeah. technology this quarter. So, so great segue because I wanted to talk about Marietta and our articulation with Marietta. We have a program called WSCC2MC, and that's exactly what your students have the opportunity to be a part of, Ryan, being in this education um, pathway already. So with that, students take classes um, or they're taking classes here at Warren High School, and then they're getting credit for their Washington State courses through your teacher who's teaching it, and then they're taking a couple online classes through Marietta College. So when they graduate, they're going to have Washington State and Marietta College credit. Why that's so nice for them is because of this partnership that we have with Marietta College that allows students to, so let's say these students, let's say you have a senior in the class now and that senior graduates and decides I'm going to take classes at Washington State next year. They will, but then if they're in the WSCC to MC partnership, they can still live on Marietta College's campus. They can attend all of the sporting events at Marietta College. They can get a, a uh, you know, the student food program. They can be a part of that. But taking classes at Washington State, they can take one class a semester at Marietta College at the cost of Washington State, which is a huge tuition savings. So that's one thing that um, Dr. Um, Judd and I are working on is really making that crystal clear for the students here at Warren. When you leave here, how much do you have finished at Washington State? How much do you have finished at Merida College? And how close are you to that teaching degree? That almost sounds like a branch campus type thing. <laughs> From uh, Marietta College yeah. to Washington State. Yeah, it's it's really a unique partnership that Dr. Rood and Dr. Wood created when they both came on as the new presidents at the college, um, at, at each of the colleges. They felt that that relationship really needed to be strong, and we needed to encourage that more. And so when I look back, you know, I I said in the previous episode, I, I graduated from Fort Fry and went to Washington State one year, and then off to OU. If this had been an opportunity for me to take classes at Washington State, yet get that that same experience that I wanted to have um, in in earning my, my four-year bachelor's degree, it, it would have been phenomenal. So. so what you just outlined is how come that program's not just full? Like what's going on? Because oh, that's a great deal yeah. if you're thinking about – and that's not just in education, right? Mm -hmm. That's in anything that Marietta College offers Correct. That, that you guys also offer. Right. So we've had a lot of um, students go th this route with business too. They're very interested in business because we have a really solid business program at, at Washington State, but then it, it just it couples nicely or dovetails nicely into Marietta College. Why has it not filled? Oh, great question, Ryan. COVID. You know, it, it started, it was taking off right as COVID. And as you know, that just kind of, it just crippled everything. And so we are back now talking more about it, really pushing it and, and having a lot of conversation. I just, uh, in the last week, somebody asked me the same question, like, how do we learn more? How do I know more? And how can I help promote this for you? Because our students in this area. They just need to listen to the podcast. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so any anything else uh, specifically about Washington State you want to share? I, I've talked about some of the things that, that we're doing. We're hoping to, to use that, what you just yeah. said, to churn out some teachers pretty quickly because yeah. we need them. We, we do. And, and that's kind of like a, a something I'm driving for right now is really to try and answer that teacher shortage and how do we do that. And so what I want to do is work closer with the high schools in this area and do exactly what we're doing here at Warren and establish these intro to education classes at the high schools and then um, allow for that field experience and them to get that exposure. And then I want to shift my face-to-face -face courses on campus to be later afternoon because I think that there's an adult population there, maybe teacher aides, teacher attendants, people who work closely with our students or people who want a career shift who think this is the time that I want to get into education and I want to open that up for them and have courses that can be offered so that they're not having to quit their jobs to become a teacher. So how does that tie into the grow your own that's exactly growing our own. So, so it, it's taking people to that 
um, in addition to the teacher shortage, we've got a substitute shortage, right? So how do we get people back in the classroom and get them experience and exposure to that and then educating them along the way? We can all think of somebody, even a student, right, that you can look at that student and say, that, that she's going to be an awesome teacher or he's going to be an awesome teacher. And so pulling them in early enough and helping them get on that path and making it affordable too. I mean, we all know that the cost of education, um, it, it, it can be pretty heavy on somebody. So how can we get a student on a path early enough to get them um, in, the, in the most cost-effective way? And so I had a conversation with an adult that works in my building who is not a teacher. Mm -hmm. Specifically to say like, hey, this sort of Washington State, Marietta, grow your own is is coming about. Is there anything for that program that, that you want to plug right now? Or do you is there anything that somebody needs to know if they're interested in that? Well, I would say uh, pay close attention to our schedule in the fall because next fall I would like to see that shift. And so I and we'll be promoting more of that closer to spring, what the courses will look like and just inviting individuals that want to get into the teaching field, that opportunity. Merida College has what they're doing too. They're creating a program that's going to uh, entice individuals that may have a bachelor's in another degree area then they can come in and take some of their education courses. And so we've talked closely with Merida College about that. You know, here's somebody that has a bachelor's degree. They may just need to pick up a couple courses here and there, and then they can be a credentialed teacher. The population that we're looking at are those individuals that don't have their four-year degree yet but are interested in teaching. I Right now I have um, two women in my intro to ed class at college who are non-traditional. When I say non-traditional, it's 25 years of age or older. Um, and they are, one's a preschool teacher. And so she has to work her work, you know, she has to change her work hours so that she can come to class one day a week. Wouldn't it be nice if she didn't have to do that? Right. Yeah. I mean, so, that would help us all out if right. that was able to get done. And, and to your point, Ryan, that would also open up an entire group of people that would be eligible for substitute teaching too. So it's, it's not a, it's not a minor type thing, is it? Is it, no. a, is it a double major type thing? Is it, somebody... You mean for the for, for Marion College? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that, it would just be taking the necessary courses that you would need to get that. Te it's kind of like an alternative licensure, right? So you take the necessary courses that you need in order to add to your already earned bachelor's degree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see. Yeah. Um, so that sounds pretty exciting. Like, like what are, are some other things that you are excited about uh, in yeah. education? With what can I, we didn't talk about the criminal justice one, which is the one that, I mean, so, so education is such a natural fit, right? So finding a teacher who is credentialed to teach the intro to ed class, that, that's, that's not hard because even you said, Ryan, like your background is in your, your master's is in educational leadership. So you can teach those courses. But what about reaching those students that have a different passion? Um, and how do you build these technical courses in a high school that maybe you don't have somebody credentialed to teach it and is in desperate need? Well, law enforcement, we need law enforcement or we need people in the criminal justice system badly in this area. There's such a need. Well, across the state, across the state we do. So... Ryan, this is where this organically came, right? I think you and I had a conversation and you were telling me that you had students that were interested in criminal justice. Yeah, there was uh, Discover Law Enforcement Day. That's what it was. And we had like 16 kids go. Yeah. And then we're, we're like, hey, why don't we explore this a little bit more? And we got to talking. Long story short, we have a criminal justice class on our campus. Yeah. And so how that works is my instructor, she built the class online. She is the teacher of record. But then your school resource officer is here to help facilitate those questions the students might have. And it is great. Uh, and, and our resource officers really taken off with it, yeah. like bringing in guest speakers and, you know, and, and really living her best life. It's like she's really good at it. Um, and she would get nervous speaking publicly yeah. before that. And, and she's just done such a great job with it. But yet we get to 
expose those kids mm-hmm. to a whole nother kind of line of, you know, career that wouldn't have existed here otherwise. Right. Right. And my instructor is having fun with it as well, right, to work closely with uh, the school resource officer here. But you're right. That's something that they never would have maybe seen themselves in that role. And going back to what I had said previously about um, my research and and my my take on women in non-traditional career fields, the majority of students in that class are female. (laughs) Which is awesome. Yeah. Like it's just a cool and sometimes, at least from my side, like I'll use that criminal justice class or education. Those are two mm-hmm. pretty good examples. Um, criminal justice has a pretty wide array of things it could go into. Education, maybe not as much, but mm-hmm. maybe a kid takes it and they hate it. And it's a lot cheaper for them to hate it on our dime yes. versus paying for it later. So sometimes for us, it's about eliminating things that they think they might want to do and then they get into it while they're still young enough to get back out of it. Yeah. Like Ryan, what was your first major again? Uh, sports industry, <laughs> which, which is, which is uh, dealing with the business side of, of sports. And I took my first business class and got a C and have no idea how I got a C because I certainly failed a class <laughs> in my own mind. So uh, I knew that I couldn't do that. So yeah. Yeah, I loved to do that early on. So I know what the heck I was getting into. And talk about a 180 because he teaches biology now. So so we've talked about anything else on the exciting side you want to mention? You know, what's exciting about education in general, from my perspective as a dean, is just seeing the opportunities that exist. And I would... I would talk to any parent now about that, like to push their child to, to come to the college, come see what we have to offer, uh, and just see what, what's there for them and explore things. I, I think there's more conversation now on just what's available, what's out there. Try things, try and discover what it is that you want to become. Um, not, to, not to rush students into the working world, but we all know, I mean, sitting here that if, if you're doing something that you love, it's easy to come to work. And so we just want students to, to learn that right away. Find up something that you're passionate about, stick with it, and there are opportunities for you to do it in a very cost-effective way. Well, and I have a unique lens in that I feel like here, at least, we provide a lot of opportunities for kids in that we have kids that go to the career center. Mm-hmm. We have kids that go to Washington State full-time. That's that's what they do. We have kids that go part-time to the Career Center, but part-time here. Part-time to you guys and part-time here. Or they take your classes that we have on our mm-hmm. campus. Some kids are with you part-time and with the Career Center yeah, part-time, that's but they're true. my student. Yes. So I think it's interesting that, that a lot of times schools get criticized when there's really all this other stuff going on mm-hmm. that that somehow if we could just let people see behind the curtain which is somewhat the point of the podcast right. is to show people behind the curtain like when i market this episode i'll be like hey if you're thinking about ccp this is for you and uh, maybe i'll make all my kids listen that- to it <laughs> you know <laughs> then we know they will <laughs> yeah get, get those numbers up you're you're right i mean there are so many variables in a student's schedule when i went to school it was like you you came this was your schedule your freshman year your sophomore year junior senior and now you have you said it ryan i mean you could be part time here part time there never stepping foot on this campus um and there are just so many opportunities, and I think that students need to really be open-minded to that and parents as well. What I think sometimes is the challenge that we face is that maybe parents don't know how to navigate that. And, and that was something that if, if my parents were faced with this, these challenges today, they wouldn't have known how to navigate it just because it wasn't something that they had to do before. Yeah, and I feel like uh, to right the wrongs that we, we talked about you know, 30, 20 years ago here where everybody should go to college – and now, you know, kids don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, and we're just, we're trying to be more efficient with lives, really, and money, but, yes. but more efficient with lives and time, mm-hmm. where let's, let's try to make that decision early and don't just try to discover it when you go to college or, yeah. or when you're just wandering around, you know, outside of high school. Right. Uh, let's try to do that early. Yeah. I think with my, own, with my own kids, we got into that point, Right. Where maybe us, we didn't do that until college where we made those decisions. Uh, but 
with with my own kids, like, hey, let's start narrowing this focus down a little mm-hmm. bit so we can be be more efficient. Yes. Um, is there anything within those trends that, you know, we talked about some concerning trends mm-hmm. before, right? Is there anything now that you feel like you have some concerns over? Oh. Um. I'm, so, so I know like, like uh, you know, the, the so low of jobs that we, uh, that, well, I shouldn't say low, the, the opportunities to get a job nowadays is probably more than any, but in terms of being credentialed or being uh, able to get those jobs, right, that's, that's kind of where education is trying to go so we can get them yeah. that credentials, uh, those credentials to do so. So uh, I don't know if that's an alarming trend that you might see or you're, you're in the, you know, you're in that aspect where you see those jobs and you're trying to make programs to those jobs. Right. Um, but is there anything like that we need to be concerned about? <laughs> so, so it's, it's that field of dreams saying, right, build it and they will come. And I'm, I'll answer that using the educational transfer program because in my mind, I have this idea that if we build it, if we build the schedule in a way that entices adults to, to take late afternoon, evening courses, or we reach out to the high schools and, and we build this grow your own idea, right? And, and we build that pathway from high school to Washington State to say Merida College or even WVUP, as I said, because we transfer so well with them. If we build it, they will come and that will help. And, and, and what it will do is it will help then our area schools because growing our own, we're keeping them here. We're going to help with the teacher shortage. That's this dream that I have. It's also a fear that I have because sometimes I have rose colored glasses and I can see that as being up, you know, this will happen and this will be a good thing. And, um, and I know it's a possibility for us because of the, the individuals that we have here. I see the same thing with the, with the healthcare and them building programs too because those individuals that are sitting for those tests, they pass those tests, they go right into a, a job. I mean, because there is such a need for all individuals. And, and you said it, you know, rad tech and respiratory, just to name a few. Um, ADN, all of that, they go right into it. Same with manufacturing. We had one student who our, our dean of business and engineering will tell you got one credential, took one class, got one credential, and then got hired full time at one of our, our local industry partners and is still finishing his degree. But up to that point, he didn't have a job. He got one credential and was was hireable. So, um you know, we, we build these programs and, and our hope is then that that will just help build our community. So I don't know if I answered that question. That you was did. A- I think what you hit on <laughs> hit on pretty well is that we, we kind of talked about the different options people have. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be a one or the other mentality. No. And, and for some reason among parents, that's out there. Like it's like just go look at Facebook post on student debt student loan uh-huh. forgiveness and they're just you know all over the place on it right yeah and it, it's it's okay to get that credential like what you're doing and then you know decide you're going to go to a four-year degree it's okay to get that credential love what you're doing and not do anything else yeah. <laughs> right like yeah you know and, and I don't know yeah. why that's that we've talked about this a couple times that that's been my big concern is for some reason it's an either or mentality Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a societal thing right now or, or what, but in education, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. that way. My, I, I always think of my brother. We were raised in the same household, went to polar, just totally different directions, right? I, I went the, the college route. He started college, dropped out of college, got into the trades, and by far has had an incredibly successful career, owned his own business, you know, and has built really solid relationships with a lot of the other trades and industry in this area. But it was his credentials that he earned. It was the training that he earned through the trades that got him to where he is. And so in my parents, it was a clear, you will go, you know, to college. And that's... My brother said, no, <laughs> I'm going to pave my own way. Thanks. Which is okay. And it is okay. That is exactly correct. All right. So 
we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit here. Okay. We've got a chance to talk about Washington State mm -hmm. programming. So I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. Okay. And, and ask you for some advice. Okay. Okay. Before we do that, real quick, I, I just have this burning question I got to ask you about Washington State, okay? Okay. What's the mascot? Like, like is it <laughs> is it a tree? Is it what what is it used to be a tree, you know? What what is Well, it's is funny. It I, somebody called it the the fighting pines. I've heard that the fighting pines. We are not the fighting pines. We are the white-tailed bucks. We are Be Benji is our mascot. Benji the white-tailed buck. So do you actually have a we buck, do. like a real live? Yeah, he actually did the moonwalk too, in the Labor Day parade. It was it was good. It was is, real is good. Is he indoors right now? Because it is season here <laughs> in Ohio it. where we're at. I know. So. When we have talked about clubs to have on campus, somebody brought up an archery club. I don't think that's a really good idea. <laughs> if Debbie tries to tag in a white-tailed buck, we're gonna know that she got the mascot. It's Benji. <laughs> Okay. All right, Ryan. <laughs> well, you know, and Ryan, t to that point, Ryan, with this BSN comes a whole nother conversation of like brand branding and, and a relabeling, right? Because we will no longer be a community college. So we are going to have to consider a new name for the college. And will we change our name? Will we drop community college? What are we going to do? And so do we lose our mascot too? I hope not. Yeah, no, I, I never met Benji, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he makes it. <laughs> I, I think you bring back the pine. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's maybe there's something to be said with the traditional, right? I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. We'll see. More to come on that story. So let, let me ask you a question about an education in general. So yeah. I've kind of hit on this a little bit. But it seems like we deal a lot with misinformation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you a, a very glorified like example, oversimplified. But I bet our local schools, maybe not Washington State, um, because you, you have a deer outside. <laughs> um, we had to deal with the, the Internet rumor of litter boxes. Oh, I've heard this. There are no litter boxes, okay? <laughs> um, actually, that was debunked all over the country. Uh -huh. So never found to be true. Yet there are certain people that you talk to that, well, I know they have it. And it's not true. So how do we deal with, in education, misinformation? What advice would you give to anybody in the field right now in dealing with misinformation? Because we know that everybody oh, wow. with Facebook and Google is an expert on everything. Yeah. So are you referencing, like, how would I talk to my faculty about this? Just what advice, I guess, would you, I'm a school administrator, so what would you say to me about dealing with misinformation, specifically about Warren High School? Or if an internet rumor started about, like, deer-only bathrooms at Washington <laughs> State, you know, what would you guys do? You know, I think that there, there's a point when you can put something out there and say this is inaccurate information, but only those that really want to read that are going to read it, right? Um, you, can, you can laugh it off too. That, that's one way. Um, you can ignore it. I don't know if any of these are really good advice though, uh, but I think full transparency too, just being very transparent about things. I mean, that's a funny one, right? That, that is a completely funny one, but I can, I can think of when I was at, at Marietta, a situation that, that came up that became national and it was so inaccurate, you know, and, and getting, we were getting calls from all over, you know, coming into the board office about a situation that happened that was, was so inaccurate. And um, people are going to believe what they want to believe, and you can't necessarily change those minds. And what happens is you, you will spend more time chasing that rumor than just putting it out there and just saying, you know, this is inaccurate. And, and it's funny, since we started the podcast, um, Somebody that was on the podcast, one of our previous guests, mm -hmm. was talking about if you don't tell your story, somebody's going to tell it for you. Yes. And I am not what I would say is a super active social media user. 
I have Facebook, but it's more for marketplace than it is for actual Facebook. Mm -hmm. And and I've really had to be a little bit more aggressive. I had to change my style and be a little bit more aggressive, not like combative, but in posting good news going on in the school. Because people will post the bad news. That's right. And if that's all people ever hear, it doesn't paint your school in a very good light. No. And I've often, too, I've I've always lived by, I've tried to head, like, go straight to the root of the problem. If I know where the problem, where it's coming from, I will go straight to them. I've never been fearful of that. And I think that that has been helpful. So that's advice that I would give is don't shy away from that that transparency, speaking out and having that conversation. You know, if, if I had a parent who was upset about something, it was much easier to go right to that parent and have that conversation or a community member too, right? If there were a community member and and in administration, you often have that. There could be somebody in the community that's upset with you that you don't even know. And you don't really even know why they're upset with you. Pick up the phone and call them, find out, get to the root of that problem. And sometimes a simple conversation can, can lead to a good resolve. Okay, so let's take that. And oh, let's, no. Let's, well, let's build into, and we've kind of hit on this a little bit, but what what advice would you give to students right now? Let's say uh, a high, you've got an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give to Ryan's eighth grader right now as a student? <laughs> With social media? In general, <laughs> like if, if you can paint his educational picture for him, um, what advice would you give him? Wow. I mean, you That's said powerful. you liked middle school. I do. I do. Um, I would. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'd like him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a good one. <laughs> I Don't do anything you're going to regret. Um, I mean, goodness. You know, one of the things, I used to have these conversations with, with seventh and eighth graders in my office that, you know, hitting the enter key on, on a computer is is no different sometimes than pulling the trigger of a gun. You have no way of bringing back what you're putting out there, right? Um, And so to the same thing, just think about your actions. Really think about it and think about how it can impact you. Um, But I'm also going to say on a positive note, dream big. You know, going back to the previous episode when I told you about the trip to China, right? And and you kind of closed it off by saying, well, you know, try. Wait until you're told no, you know, and that's exactly what I would tell. I I just feel like there are so many opportunities right now for students, for, for young people, right? Try. And until you're told no, you know, dream big. Yeah. And I I think sometimes they get in their own way. Uh, and and what I mean by that is, uh, they wonder what other people would think. They're not Mm -hmm. necessarily looking at their, what their best interests are, what maybe would benefit them, but they're just wondering how, how is the social, how's the social going to look if I try to do this and fail, or if I go in this program and what am I going to look like instead of focusing on what the future might be like? Yeah. And and so that's, yeah, that, that kind of speaks to, to your point a little bit. Um, so how about parents? What advice do you give to parents (laughs) that maybe of this kid who wants to go do something on maybe go to Washington state or maybe even what career path they might choose. Let them again, let them explore, you know, um, we use the term in education. I know you've heard it before helicopter parenting. <laughs> and, and essentially what that means is just trying to have too much control over the movement that your children make. Right. And constantly checking the, the grade book online and, and doing this and do, and just constantly having that control. Don't be scared to let them try. And also do not be scared to let them fail. Failure is a learning opportunity. And when, um, as a parent, and, and now me, right? I call myself, I'm a bonus mom. I'm a bonus mom to two awesome kids. And one is six and one is about to turn nine in a couple weeks. And I even have to sometimes now have to take a step back and remember the conversations I would have with parents about that. Like, it's okay to fail. It's okay to screw up. Because you're learning, right? So that's what advice I would give. Okay. Uh, the different phases of parenting. So so I don't even know if we hit, like, kid, kids-wise. How many kids? Two. I have two stepchildren. Okay. Yeah. A six and a nine-year-old. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Okay. I don't want to go back to those, those days, by the way. Uh, the phases of parenting I'm getting through, you yeah. know, and I'm, I'm enjoying uh, those each one. But, you know, the um, the helicopter part reminds me, but don't give up Life 360. No, okay? I actually have that on my phone for my Life husband. Life 360 is great. <laughs> we share that with each other. Yeah, yeah. We have it with our <laughs> oldest children even still now, but they don't mind it as much. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, th- there's, a, there's a sense in you got you to gotta have this fear of failure be healthy, right? Yes. Right? We, we used to say, you know, failing. There's all kinds of acronyms out there, right? Mm-hmm. Failing is the first attempt in learning. Yeah. You've probably heard that before. Yep. You, I've said it to my kids, and they're like, whatever. You know, they, <laughs> they just kind of roll their eyes. But it, 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 it's so true mm-hmm. that you've, you've got to – you have failed before. I've failed before. But the way that we mentally take that on is what's going to make you ultimately yeah. a better adult, really, in the long run. Right? Do you know why I played volleyball? Because I got cut from cheerleading. Oh, there you go. So there you go. I went home. I cried. My mom said, there's something bigger and better for you, Jana. So you just, you go out there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. (laughs) When it's interesting to hear you say helicopter parent, um, we deal a lot of times with bulldozers now. Oh, I've not heard this one. I know. It's so much fun when (laughs) as soon as, you know, little Timmy, it has to be Timmy or Susie on this podcast. It's always because Timmy or Susie are really bad kids, apparently, um, from our complaining episode. But I, we talked in complaining about attendance, and it, it's awful yeah. what people will try to do to get their kids out of school right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you this one, then. You yeah. have a great lens for this question. What advice would you give to teachers right now? High school teachers, middle school teachers, wow. elementary teachers. What what advice would you give to them? Yeah. So the world does not exist in the brick and mortar building in which you're teaching. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, it, it, I I will forever and always be an educator, but I've tried to allow my outside experiences to help me be a better educator too, right? And I shared some of that with you. And I think that sometimes um, we need to remember that as educators, that our students are coming to us with different experiences than what we have. And um, we can utilize that to help them be what they want to be. And give them opportunities to be, to explore, uh, and, and bring their uniqueness into the classroom too, I guess, is, is something that I think would be advice that I would give teachers. Right. And, and just know that uh, going back to that college degree, that as an educator, don't think that that's the end all to be all that students have so many more options and make sure that you highlight that, that trades job is it's just as valuable as a four-year degree. So I happen to know that you're going to come in at some point in the near future and talk to our education class. Yes, yeah. What are you going to say to them? Future teachers, what would you say? Future teachers. Well, I'm going to say that um, I've been in education now for 22, going on 23 years. And what I'm experiencing now is nothing compared to what I experienced when I first started teaching. I mean, we were talking about grad school a little while ago and how distance learning was mailing my stuff, right? I never would have thought that I had to market public education. And you have to market public education now. You really, truly do have to say why your school system is the best school system. Um, also, that, you know, learning can be... COVID happened and we immediately learned how quickly learning could be distant. And so just recognizing that you as an educator are, things are going to come at you faster than what they ever have before. And it's just going to be ever evolving. I went to a conference a few years ago and this has kind of stuck with me. The presenter had four trees and we've all seen those pictures before, like the winter picture, the spring picture, summer and fall. And she said education is is very much like the seasons and that we were at that time in a winter period that was about to move to spring. And I feel like she was predicting COVID because what COVID did was it shifted us. It shifted us from the brick and mortar buildings to online to now we in education are going, okay, what are we going to offer or how are we going to offer this stuff? Um, 
and, and maybe in a different format. And maybe it isn't that, you know, all the students came back, but we're using technology differently. So new teachers are shifting into a new season and they are in that spring summer season where new opportunities are, are out there. And, um, I can't tell them that they're going to graduate and be a teacher in a brick and mortar building, but they might be an online teacher. I also am going to tell them that their students are um, coming to them with a lot on their plate and that they need to realize that education isn't just standing in front of a classroom and delivering content. It's also being compassionate and understanding that there are days that um, whatever outside influences a student has can be impacting their learning and they need to know that they need to meet that student where that student needs to be met. Well, and I read a line one time, this is not my line. <laughs> I'm not this smart. But and it, the, it was students don't learn from teachers they don't like. True. True. So True. And even Jim Mahoney, who's who's going to be on the podcast here in a couple of weeks, kind of wrote that in his book that mm -hmm. you know, those personal relationships matter maybe more than the content. Absolutely, it does. You can't tell me that if you're not you when you call a student by their first name, when you recognize something about them in a positive way, that's what matters. Okay, maybe the toughest question I've asked you. Okay, <laughs> so let's say. Um, do you have any former students of yours that are teachers now? Yes. Okay. What if one of them comes to you and says, hey, I, I think I'm going to get my principal's license? I would say go for it. Uh, so what advice would you give them to as, as being an administrator? So I always, again, you're, you're an administrator that you – as an administrator, you're just not an administrator of that building. You're a member of the community, right? It's you're 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 an open system. Like you, you deal with so much. Um, your place, your office, should never be a place that students don't want to come. That's what I would say as a principal. I can remember one time I was at at Putnam in my office, getting ready to go in to do lunch duty. The kids were in the hallway. They were being really loud. I think it was a group of fourth graders. A substitute teacher said to them, if you don't stop being so loud, I'm going to take you into, uh, it, it was Hall at the time, so Mrs. Hall's office. And um, I heard that, and, and I was being used as a threat. And I went out, and I stood in the hallway, and I waited for the lunch line to die down, and I pulled that substitute in here, and I said, that is not the way we do things at Putnam Elementary. I am never a threat to those students. A student should never be fearful if they have to come to my office because coming to my office is simply a conversation and a change of behaviors. But I will not ever have a student in the school be scared of me. That's what I would tell a future principal. So, so going back to the, the teacher thing real, real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, from when we first started teaching in the, in the brick and mortar days, uh, and I feel that... <laughs> That sounds so prehistoric. It does. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I feel that we had no idea what we were going to face going into the future. Uh, and and I think that we have to be so much more flexible as educators uh, that it's scary at times because we have to go out of, outside of the comfort zone that we've known for 30 right. years. Uh, but I think the important thing is we have to meet the kids where they're at now mm -hmm. as much as we may or may not agree with it you know, like the culture or whatever it right. is right we have to be flexible in that in that boundary um i just wonder if do do you did you see that like like you're in you're in the you're in the secondary education now do you do you see those kind of changes that could affect your your potential teachers that are coming to to washington state oh or, yeah I do. And I, and, and one of the things that, that, you know, it's interesting. I told you that I teach some of the classes and some of the conversations that I've just had with students. Uh, I talk to them and, and I know this is a, a buzzword that you guys use trauma informed classrooms, right? And, um, just having, having students recognize the diversity in which they are faced to the diverse classroom. You know, when, 
uh, I think when we got into education, I think things were a little bit more homogenized. They, you know, groups were kind of separated where now we're, we're all together. And um, just having students recognize that, that getting into education, you are going to have to accommodate for all of that and yeah, recognize is, that. It is not a conveyor belt. It, it is not a conveyor belt. That is exactly right. It is not a one size fits all. And t- to meet all of the students' needs, you have to be flexible. And you said that. Yeah, I think that would that could be your advice for all the way through, right? <laughs> Parents, teachers, administrators, you yeah. know, let's be a little bit flexible. Yeah. So as we uh, we close down, anything else you want to add in that you know, um, Washington State cool model on the eight week yeah. um, rotation. I think you talked about that a little bit in the the beginning of this episode. Um, so got it. The second eight weeks of this semester is going on yep. right now, and then we'll do it again in, in January. Yeah, so what's so cool about that is that, you know, you as a student, you're still taking, say, five classes in a semester, but you can focus on two at a time and then three at a time. And it just it makes it so that it's blocked scheduling, and it, it kind of chunks it. Instead of having five classes to focus on to be successful, you're, you're narrowing that focus down to, to a few. And in research shows that actually students retain more that way. Um, and success rates, our, our success rates, the first eight weeks were, were right where we wanted them to be. So, and, and that does not surprise that. me at all. So. The, the good things you guys have been doing, we're excited to be part of. Uh, really want to thank you for yes, coming on. Yes, thanks for asking me. Offering the insight to higher ed. I will market this as CCP 101. Yep. Um, and, and let everybody listen in. Uh, thank you for listening to Ryan and Ryan Education today. I hope you'll tune in next week. Good night.